0: Lord Jesus Christ, you alone have the words of eternal life, and we believe and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So it's your voice we need to hear this morning. Give us grace to hear your words, grace to receive them, and the grace to respond to them. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So one of my sources of news as far as how I keep up with what's going on in the world is this weekly magazine that I received that summarizes the events and the issues of the previous week. And early on in that magazine, there's usually this two-page spread that has a world map right at the center of it with lines that radiate out to the various nations. Uh, And that they're talking about that particular week with these headlines and snippets of news about those nations, like Sri Lanka, Venezuela, Syria, England, Yemen. And as you would expect, the news in those little snippets is rarely good news. It's normally about corrupt leaders and governments overlooked and suffering people groups, way too many forms of violence going on in these nations. Political machinations motivated by fear, greed, and hunger for power. See that, and I'm reminded that it's not just our own nation that is experiencing clouds of confusion, layers of suffering, systems of judgment, and this fragmentation that we see going on in our world. Each and every single nation is sick. And it's not just individuals, but entire nations as a whole, each nation its cultures, its systems, its societies, each nation is sick. Which is why one line from our reading out of Revelation this morning caught my attention and it captured my imagination. And it reminded me of the hope that each nation has because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Listen to part of the reading that we had again this morning out of Revelation. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. That's the line that caught my attention and my imagination. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Now, you all know me pretty well by now, so this probably won't surprise you. But one of the first places that my imagination goes with this line is to the gospel according to J.R.R. Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings. In the final book, which appropriate for this sermon in the book of Revelation, the final book is named The Return of the King, hint, hint, And in a chapter that's called, wonderfully, The Houses of Healing, we have a couple of key characters who are near death, and there is no cure in sight. And there's this old woman who's tending to them, and she says at one point, Would that there were kings in Gondor, as there were once upon a time. For it is said in old lore, the hands of the king are the hands of a healer. And so the rightful king could ever be known. And, of course, in this particular fantasy story, the rightful king, whose name is Aragorn, he shows up at the the last minute. He makes a healing balm out of leaves, as it turns out, leaves from a plant called King's Foil, a for those of you who are uh, uh, Lord of the Rings fans. He makes this healing balm, and then he does save these characters from death. And the true-to-life story that's told in the book of Revelation the rightful King Jesus has shown up his nail pierced hands you can still see those scars in his hands his nail pierced hands are hands of healing and in them are the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations not just for a couple of key characters not just for individuals but healing for the nations and this theme of the nations being healed it's a repeated theme throughout the book of revelation actually through all of scripture god wants all the nations of the earth to come into his kingdom as full participants in the new heaven and in the new earth in this recreation that was begun at the cross and if you've noticed almost every reading that we've had since easter sunday that has come out of revelation it has the nations joining in the worship of God and of the Lamb who was slain gathered around the throne. And it's this theme, again, that it runs through all of Scripture from Genesis onward, that all the nations will be blessed and that all nations are going to be brought into the purposes of God and into his kingdom. We've we enchanted it in our psalm this morning. Let your ways be known upon earth, your saving health, There's that healing again. You're saving health among all nations. The Lord wants to heal the nations. And the Lord is the only one. It's his saving health that is going to be able to provide that healing. When we talk about the healing of the nations and of the nations coming into the kingdom of God, even in the book of Revelation, it is so much more than just an eternal multicultural worship service. Listen again to part of our reading from Revelation this morning. John writes and says, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord and the, the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the, sun ha, the city has no need for, of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. And now listen to this part. The nations, the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. The kings of the earth bringing in the glory of the nations. People bringing in the glory and the honor of the nations. The nations walking by the light of God. What do we have here? Right here at the end of all things or the beginning of the recreation of all things, nations still exist They're still existing as unique cultures, societies, and systems, but now they're walking by the light of God, bringing their glory and their honor into the new Jerusalem. What is the glory and honor of nations? It's their art, their commerce, their music, their way of life, their structures of society. All of these are being brought into the kingdom of God, but now they are healed. They're made whole. They're made new. And they're now walking together in the light, walking with the presence of God and the Lamb as they continue in these works of who they are. Now, there's nothing unclean, no one practicing abomination or falsehood, political machinations or violence or corruption or oppression, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, those people and those nations who have been healed by the crucified, resurrected, and now reigning King Jesus, who comes with leaves of the tree of life for the healing of the nations in his nail-pierced hands. So this age of the life to come, this eternal life that's been talked about throughout all of Scripture This life from the tree of life that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We're not talking about an eternal disembodied leisurely worship service. This is life as God intends life to be. This is a life of worship. It's been a while since I've quoted to you my favorite Cornelius Platinga quote. Many of you will recognize this because this comes up again and again, especially when we hit Revelation. Revelation but I'm going to quote it to you again because this, I think, is a wonderful description of what the life of the age to come that has already broken into our lives now in Christ. This is what we're talking about. It is the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. It is what the Hebrew prophets called shalom. We call it peace, but it means far more than peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. That's the imagery that we have here at the end of the book of Revelation, at the end of all things, at the beginning of all new created things. The way things ought to be. The Garden of Eden. Most commentators will talk about this section as being the imagery of the Garden of Eden restored. I think it's actually the Garden of Eden as it was intended to become. From sea to shining sea and across every sea, Things that are being cultivated, developed, that are life-giving, worshipful, and united with its creator. This universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. This is what the healing of the nations will look like. And that's the bright horizon that we set our sights on, even as we read today's darkest headlines. And that's why we, the people of St. B's, as a community of Christ, that's why we're a people of hope. One of the marks of the biblical counterculture, writes Leslie Newbegin, will be a confident hope that makes hopeful action possible. Confident hope that makes hopeful action possible, even in situations which are, humanly speaking, hopeless. That hope is reliable because the crucified Lord of history has risen from the dead and will come again in glory. I love this quote from Leslie Newbegin, and I want to use it as I finish just to give you three tethers, three tethers for living in this world that is buffeted by the brokenness of the nations. Maybe three tethers to hold you as you read the headlines and listen to news and podcasts, even this week. The first tether is this confident hope. Because not only do we look with assurance toward this future healed life that is revealed to John and now to us and that is breaking into our world even now, we remember that the cru- this crucified, risen Lord of history is indeed the Lord of history. He is involved right now in making all things new. Those are the words that were read out of Revelation last week. God himself speaking from the throne in the present progressive, I am making all things new right now. There's this other scholar named G.B. Caird that Father Sammy introduced me to, uh, and in writing about the same passage, he says this, Blind belief may see only the outer world, growing old in its depravity and doomed to vanish before the presence of holiness. But faith, faith can see the hand of God in the shadows refashioning the world. I think most of you probably know, if you're familiar at all with Revelation, that it's structured around uh, this scroll that has seven seals on it and the opening of those seven seals. And as each seal is opened, actions unfold in the world. But who holds the scroll in his hand? Who opens each one of those seven seals? It's the Lamb who was slain, the rightful King Jesus who has shown up with healing in his hands He is the involved Lord of history. And that's the first tether to hold you, this confident hope, not only in what's coming, but this confident hope in the crucified Lord of history. The second tether is hopeful action because we're called to participate with Jesus right now, to participate with the Lord of history in the healing of the nations. We don't just wait for that to come. In fact, in one sense, we are the new Jerusalem because where does God dwell right now? He dwells among his people. He dwells in the church through Christ. And we, so we are the place where the healing and life for the nations is to flow from us out into this world. So we're to engage in art. We're to engage in politics and education and friendships and families. We're to be culture-creating and society-shaking Because we are confident that the healing of the nations is integral to the purposes of God and that it's begun now, began at the cross of Christ and in his resurrection. So hopeful action is our second tether. And then the third tether is this. The nations need Jesus. I began by saying that every single nation is sick and we know, this is what we as the church proclaim and remind the world of, is that the source of that sickness is sin that is within the human heart. And the cure for sin is forgiveness, the forgiveness that comes through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because that alone is how hearts are healed and how nations will be healed. And so our pursuit of change in any culture and in any nation is, complete with, is incomplete, <laughs> Without this understanding. I don't know if you noticed, but early last week was the 65th anniversary of Brown versus Brown, the ruling that ended separate but equal segregation in schools. And I was listening to an interview with a man named uh, John Stokes, who was a high school senior during that time period. And he was one of the leaders of a student strike that ultimately led to this court case that ended school segregation. Towards the end of the interview, he was asked this question, Uh, The interviewer said, uh, Mr. Stokes, 65 years after the Supreme Court decision, we've seen the issue of segregated schools persist. How long do you think this will take? There was this brief pause, and then Mr. Stokes responded in this way, a long time. It's not easy. It's never going to be easy because, you see, we can make any law we wish to make but it has to be in the confines of a person's heart christian values christian ideas even christian laws are not enough the only thing that can enter into the confines of a person's heart and recreate it so that racism when any form and all forms of evil are removed in the heart of a person and ultimately the heart of a nation is healed it's only the grace of god in Christ, that does this. The nations need Jesus. And that's our third tether. The second tether is our call to a hopeful action. And the first tether is our confident hope in the healed life that is coming. And even more, our confident hope in the crucified Lord of history, this rightful King whose hands are holding these leaves of the tree of life for the healing of the nations these nail-pierced hands that heal not only our hearts, but that can bring about the healing of the brokenness of the nations. And this is what God has yearned for and longed for. And it's what we're invited to join with him in participating in now and forever. And I offer that to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.